With that skit we had just before we start, I actually feel comfortable if I start making mistakes now. So I don't have to be as good as what that was. <clears throat> but uh, I'd like to, I've got to title the talk Gambling with God. We um, so often find we come across people around the place when we talk to them and they tell us that we um, must be just lucky or things couldn't have been as bad as what um, people say they were or similar types of things or things are just coincidental. And um, you've got to wonder what a coincidence is when you're walking with the Lord. I had a fellow at work I was talking to a long time back and I mentioned about healings and he said, oh, it's just a coincidence. And I said, oh, fair enough. And I mentioned about another healing. He said, just another coincidence. And I said, what happens if there's another healing like that? And he said, well, it probably isn't, but I would call it one. So it's the world we'll be living in. That's what they want to do. They want to do as much as what they can in so many cases to reject God at all. And so they are gambling with God, with their, with their natural, with their spiritual lives and even natural lives a lot of times too. Because so many people just don't want to believe that God still does miracles today. You know, you talk to a lot of people and so many people believe that God isn't in the business of looking after people anymore. That he's up there somewhere and we're down here and we'll find out when it all happens is the time that we die. Um, and people are happy with that. They're happy with that type of lifestyle. I must admit, before I heard the gospel, I couldn't accept there was a God at all. So really it didn't worry me. But... There are a lot of people around when you talk to them, they're just out to reject it. But we know that we're, when we're walking with God and looking to God, we're always going to be victorious, that there is no way that we can ever fail. There was a, a brother here a while ago, he's uh, asleep now, but his statement was that if I'm healed, you give the glory to God. If I'm not healed, then I'm just asleep waiting for the Lord to return and I can still give the glory to God. It doesn't matter what situation that we find we're in, uh, we are the Lord's. And that's an incredible comfort that we all can take on um, and believe. And being spirit-filled Christians, we're going to be winners every time. There is no way, really, that we can ever lose while we continue to look to the Lord. But if you'd like to open your Bibles up to 1 Samuel, and we'll start in chapter 5, and we'll read verse 1 to 12. <coughs> Just a bit of a backdrop beyond this story. The um, children of Israel and the Philistines are having a bit of a set to. Um, the Philistines have beaten the children of Israel in one battle, so the children of Israel decide they're going to get the ark, they'll take that out with them and they'll win the battle and it won't be a problem. The Philistines saw it coming and heard the tumult and they panicked and then somebody said, wake up princess, we're just going to have a settle down here and we'll have a go. They won the battle, they took the ark and they took it with them. And here in verse 1, it says, And the Philistines took the ark of God, and they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon, and they set him in his place. And, there, and when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both his palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold, only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor any that came uh, into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod unto this day. 
But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them in Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emeralds, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. And they sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark of God, uh, the God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of the God of Israel be carried about unto Gath. And they carried the ark of God of Israel about thither. And it was so that after they carried it about, the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he smote the men of the city, both great, both small and great, and they had emerons in their secret parts. Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And it came to pass that the ark of God came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out, saying, They've brought about the ark of God of Israel to slay us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of God of Israel. Let it go again of its own place, that it slay us not and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the cities. Uh, the hand of God was very heavy there. And the men that died not were smitten with emeralds, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. So it's an incredible story when you think about what just this box that was there, but it was the power of God. And the Dagon was, um, wasn't able to stand before it, so he went over. But the Lord was still working. He was still doing things to the people in the city. We know that the children of Israel, uh, Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they weren't doing the right thing uh, by Israel. And consequently, Israel had lost the, the, the plot a little bit. And so that is why they lost, pretty much lost the, the Ark of the Covenant at the time too. And so things were going wrong for them all the way along the line. But God was still, uh, still power was still being shown to so many people around the place. Now, you get this situation here, you've got all these, these towns that came in and the people didn't like the things that were taking place. Um, and it started off when it went into, um, uh, into yeah, Ashdod and um, they had the problem there and they didn't like it so they wanted to get rid of it. It's almost like they were re-gifting the present. And no doubt everybody here would have done that, wouldn't they? Got a present they thought, well, this... I don't really need this, we'll move it on to somebody else. And that's what the Philistines were doing here. They didn't like the present they were getting. They thought they were getting something special. They were getting the, the ark of God, they're getting the power of God there, but they couldn't handle it. And so because it was, wasn't pleasant for them, they re-gifted it onto somebody else. And they, in the next place, well, it was Ekron and, um, yeah, where was it? Ekron and, yeah, the other place, wherever it was. And so they all got rid of it and wanted to move it on, um, the Ark of the Lord of Israel. But the thing was, when they wanted to get rid of it, they didn't want to make it look like that they were the losers. They wanted to believe that they were the winners of it all and they were just doing the nice thing by getting rid of it. So go to chapter 6 and verse 7 uh, through to 11. It says, they decided they were going to put it on a cart and it says, Now therefore make a new cart, take two milk cows, on which there has come no yoke, and tie the cows, that's what a kine is by the way, for those who don't know, to the cart, and bring their calves home from them. Take the ark of the Lord, and lay it upon the cart, and put the jewels of gold, which you return uh, him for a trespass offering, in a coffer by the side thereof, and send it away that it may go. And see if it goes up the way of its own coast to Beth Shemesh, then he, uh, then he has done 
done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it's not his hand that smote us. It was a chance that happened to us. And the men did so, and they took the two milk cows, and they tied them to the cart, and they shut up their calves at home. And they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart, and the coffers with the mice of gold, and the images of their emeralds. So they were set things up here, but they thought, we're going to set things up so that it's going to look like that we're doing all right. And so we're going to set a few boundaries on this. Now, if these cows, we'll get two cows, they've got calves, we'll just tie them to the cart, and if they head straight home or back to the children of Israel there to Beth Shemesh, then we'll know that um, then God's actually been doing something. Now, what they were trying to do, there's, there's three things in this story um, that I can relate to very much so, um, coming from, well, dealing from cows, um, is that if you've got two cows that have never been tied to a, uh, a cart of any description, there is no way that you're going to get them to work together um, if they've never been there. Uh, it would be extremely hard to harness them up, for starters, because the cows wouldn't um, know what was going on and they'd carry on. And the other one was that they were to go in a direct line to, to Bershemesh. Now, the cows come from that area. They had calves on them, so they didn't want to, wouldn't want to leave their calves. And so they would have stayed there in that spot. And they certainly wouldn't have worked together. And if they did, they would have tipped the cart over or who knows what could have taken place. But the Philistines were saying, we're trying to set things up, saying there is no way we can lose this and we're going to prove that God didn't do this and this was just unlucky. So, verse 12, it says, And the cows took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, long as they went, turned not aside to the right hand or to the left, uh, and the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. So the situation happened. They were able to harness the cows up. They were Cows stood uh, and were able to pull this cart together. They had left their calves behind. I don't know whether anybody knows anything about cows and calves, but if you try and take a calf away from a cow, in general, you've got to watch your back because... Um, they're not real fussed about it. I used to milk cows for a little while and I found that um, there was only, the only times I was concerned um, is when you're out taking the calves off the cows when you're going to bring, after the cows are calved to bring the cows into the herd. In fact, I had, had a quad bike and there were numerous times, uh, once it actually ended up being turned right over because the cow decided it didn't like me, and many a time I've been up on two wheels because the cow's had its head underneath the side of the bike. Because they, some of them aren't real fussed with it, and I've even got a few cows today that I don't mark, a, I normally mark the calves out in the paddock when they're young so I can handle them, but there's some cows that I won't go near when they've got a calf because I know I'll come off second best. So these cows, it says they went and they were lowing. They knew that their calves were behind them. And if their calves were behind them, there was no way that they were going to go that way and there was no way they were going a direct line to where they had to go because they had no idea where they were going anyway. So the thing is that when you, these Philistines were gambling that God hadn't done that, that God was like their God, Dagon, that he wasn't able to do anything so it wouldn't really matter. But God actually was showing that there's a big difference between him and their God that was there and the miraculous things took place. So if he was trying to gamble with a situation that wasn't going to work with the Philistines there and God was proving himself that he was going to be victorious. Um, 
So basically he was just saying to him, sorry guys, you're going to lose. Um, Mark chapter 10, uh, we'll finish up with verse 23. Uh, 23 to 27, it says, Jesus looked around about and he said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his word, but Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Humans only know the natural and the natural riches and those types of things, and that's all that they can deal with. And if you've got the natural things there, that is what they can follow because that is what they understand. Because we've got the Holy Spirit, we don't have to look at things in that natural sort of way at the moment. Um, that God actually has our lives in the palm of his hands. He is holding on to us and helping us and directing us, as we've heard testimonies this, uh, at this camp, about how the Lord has been looking after us through whatever situation that it is. And we are very much a lucky people, um, well, more than lucky people, because God knew us before he you know, created the foundations of the earth and brought us to this position that we might have this relationship with God now. That we might be looked up, uh, that we might be able to look up to God and fully expect the miraculous things to happen. You know, the natural things and uh, the natural expectations people have are very much restricted. But when we've got God, God is never restricted in no circumstance whatsoever because He's dealing with the supernatural side of things. The supernatural side is, is limitless, and that is the power that we have dwelling within us as well through the Holy Spirit. When we've got one person with God on his side, we cannot lose. And because we're a group, we're spirit-filled people, we cannot lose. When we come across situations and we tell people that God can heal or God can provide and God can do stuff, we're not gambling because we know that God can do anything. And so because of that, we know that the victory is there. As Sister Rosie mentioned this morning about those two ladies that she knew and the situations that happened. And no doubt we've all had similar stories about things just when we've stepped out in faith. And the Lord will back us up. So we're not gambling when we use the name of God and we talk about God because we're talking about the power of what God is able to do. We should never try and overthink things. Um, Grant Hugo mentioned uh, the other night too about the fact that we've got this stuff behind our eyes that um, hinders us, but we so often overthink things as well. We try and think and try and put natural thoughts and natural understanding into the, into the, natu into the spiritual side of things, and it never works. We just need to think and keep believing that with God all things are possible, that as long as we step out of it and we just put our trust in God and put our faith there, then we can expect the miraculous to continue to happen. And so we're not gambling with God, we're trusting him. Amen.